Now, we've been in a series called How Do You Know? And uh, each week we tried to answer a question. And the first two weeks we tried to answer, how do you know there's a God? The last couple of weeks we tried to answer, how do you know the Bible is reliable? And today we want to talk about, how do you know God's voice? And uh, I want to start off today by asking this question. What is the main difference between a believer and a non-believer? It's not a trick question. We have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and a non-believer does not. So that personal relationship should include communication. And yet there are many theological persuasions that are out there, and uh, should I say denominations that teach that God doesn't speak anymore. And I just want you to know that's a crazy doctrine. And the reason I say that is we have a book called The Holy Bible where God spoke to people at different times over 4,000 years in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then some teach after the first 100 years of the church, God just quit talking. It was like he got laryngitis and he sat it for 1,900 years. But uh, I just want you to know God has a voice, all right? And I have found as I communicate with people on my iPhone, uh, they, it'll say, some, some will communicate with me, and as you're looking at it, it'll say, uh, might be, because I may not have it on my contacts, and it might be so-and-so. And then they give me a name, and it's a pretty cool feature that comes on your iPhone. And sometimes, as I'm getting messages through thoughts, impressions, reading God's word, prayer, through conversations with other people. And I don't know if it's God speaking or someone else. And I feel like the message is coming. It might be, just might be God. So what happens to a lot of us is we're trying to lead our families, look for a job, buy or sell a house, dating someone, marrying someone, deciding on attending a certain local church or not. We need to hear God's voice because he knows the job that is for you. He knows the spouse that is for you. He knows who you should date, who you should marry. He knows which local church you should be planted in. And today and next week, as we ask and try to answer the question, how do I know God's voice? I'm hoping that every one of us will begin to walk out of here and say, I'm gonna just bend my ear closer to God and learn to listen to his voice. Let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, and let's make our prayer declaration together. Lift them eyes, say this with me. This is my Bible. God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do I can be all it says I can be, and I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave your change by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now today the first thing I want you to do is write this down. You must believe in your heart that God has a voice. You must believe it. You must pursue it, bend your ear towards it. So today we're going to discover that God has a voice. We're also going to discover we are sheep and hearing 
God is something, not just something we do, but it's something of who we are, all right? John 10 tells us we are sheep. So just turn to the person next to you and say, I am a sheep. And then say to them, oh, that's what I smell. No, don't. (laughs) Okay, John 10, one through four. Here we go. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep, what? Hear his voice. Say that again. Hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Just so you know, God knows your name. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for, say it with me, they know his voice. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. So Jesus is talking to Jewish people here and then he switches over to prophetically say, there's other sheep that are gonna be added to this and really he's talking about Gentiles, which is you and I. And he's saying, them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So God's telling us through Jesus Jew and Gentile will come together and all of us will be able to hear the voice of God. We'll be one family and one flock. And then to seal it up, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So here's a simple question. Who is the shepherd? Jesus. Jesus. And what, uh, and, and, and who are the other people in this passage? Sheep. That's right, us. And what do sheep do? They follow the shepherd and they hear his voice. You can't follow what you don't hear, all right? Now, to show you what I mean, I'll give you a little illustration here. I have Teresa Dowd here somewhere. Where is Teresa? There's Teresa. And Teresa has brought her best friend here besides her husband, okay? So I asked Teresa to show me what it looks like to call a certain animal and see if they come. So let's try it. You're such a good husband, Matthew. Now, just so you know, that's not a sheep, that's a goat. (laughs) She promised me the goat would come, but so far in both services, it has not come. Which let, yeah, so just let me just say this. Maybe you're not a sheep, maybe you're a goat. (laughs) Just saying. Okay. Maybe God's been trying to call you and get your attention, but you just do your own thing. All right. Give Teresa and Matt a big hand. Thank you for bringing Genevieve. What separates us from the sheep, the sheep from the goats? Sheep come, sheep hear his voice, sheep follow. So let me give you three things about the ability to hear God's voice. Number one, it's innate. 
You can write that down. In other words, once you become a Christian, your spirit is awakened and you're born again with it. You have, it's hardwired uh, to hear God's voice. It's built in. It's a spiritual instinct. And this is what makes us different than all the animals that you and I were created in God's image. And God put this ability in your spirit when he created you. And the whole reason you and I have the ability to hear and speak is because we were created in God's image. And our God is a communicative God. And why would he create us to communicate and then not communicate with us? This is what separates us from the animals. So here's the thing. Animals are wonderful, but they're not people. In other words, if Genevieve would have come... (laughs) Uh, you could, let's just take for a dog, for instance. You could go up to the dog, call the dog, and say, you sweet little stupid dog, you're so nice. You're so... And the dog would just sit and wag its tail because the dog just responds to your voice, tone of voice, not to what you're saying because dogs can't talk. Well, I know some of you are, well, my dog talks. No, you're... you need to go see a counselor. All right, All right, now, but they'll wag their tail and be happy as can be. Okay, here's the second thing about hearing God's voice. It is learned. You must become familiar with God's voice. And the best example of this is children. Children are born to communicate. They're born with a voice. They're born with ears. They, They, but they have to be taught sounds and words. They need to be taught what to say and when to say it. For example, I have seven granddaughters, and one of my granddaughters came up to me when she was little, and she said, Papa, you're fat. <laughs> I know. It might be true, but you don't need to tell me that. So my, my uh, daughter, Jamie, said, Honey, don't tell Papa that in front of him. Tell that to me in private. All right. <laughs> but we learn in our ability to hear God. Now, to help us further uh, understand this story uh, about sheep, I want you to turn over to 1 Samuel 3, and there's a story about a guy named Samuel. And here's what it tells us in 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 10. It says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And and I was talking to this guy Friday, actually, on the phone, and uh, he was telling me, I just feel like I can't hear from God. I feel like uh, God can't use me. And this guy's a pastor. And as he said, I said, what's the problem? He goes, I just feel like I can't forgive myself of all the things I did wrong growing up. And I want you to know, and I told him this, the lamp has not gone out in your life. The lamp is still on. The lamp is still lit. The lamp is still there for you. And God hasn't forgotten you. There's still time. If you're still breathing, there's still time. I heard someone say once, if you're not dead, God's not done. All right? So it goes on to say this. So the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was, the presence of God. Then the Lord God called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You call me. 
But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, apparently the voice of Samuel was, that he was hearing uh, sounded familiar. It sounded as if it was expected, uh, as if he expected the voice of God to be uh, Eli. And, uh, but what, what many of us think is when God calls, we think that God uh, should hear a voice very, very deep, very, very baritone like this. <laughs> no, say my name. Doug. That's it. Now, if God came through like that every time, I would be so excited because then I would know it's God. But oftentimes, God's voice sounds like... Doug? Yeah, that's it, right there. <laughs> sounds like that. So what I want you to understand this morning is that many of us confuse a voice because... It's familiar. So he told him to go back to bed. Verse 7, now Samuel did not know the, lo- the Lord. Uh, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you call me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy, so Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Now, this story starts out with a boy who gets dropped off at the tabernacle of God to serve the priest of Israel. At the age of three or right around four, because his mother had been barren, she promised God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And after she was done uh, breastfeeding him, she brings him to the priest named Levi. And he, he doesn't do a very good job, really, of, of training up Samuel because he allows his sons to run around in the tabernacle, the church, and have sexual intimacy with women at the entrance of the door and does nothing about it. He, they also took the sacrifices offered to God and took it for themselves and started treating God as common. So this story gives us three words that are not on your notes about God's voice, but you should write this down. Things that will hinder you, three things, there are many more, but three things that stood out to me in this story that will hinder you from hearing God's voice. The first word is culture. In in, in, uh, verse one, it says, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. And that's because they treated the Lord as common. And we live in a day where getting information is so easy, but very difficult to get truth. And I figured this verse applies to us today. Wouldn't you agree that we are drowning in information? We are drowning in opinions. We are drowning in personal agendas. We are drowning in skewed projections, but starving to hear God's voice and starving to hear truth right now. It's such a crazy time. We don't know who to trust anymore. We don't know if it's real. We don't know if it's fake. We don't know if it's inflated. We don't know if it's a statistic. And by the way, you can make statistics up. 
Just, just saying, okay. Anyway, one of the reasons we don't hear God's voice is because in our culture, we treat God as common. Now, many come to church in a narcoleptic state. And if you don't know what that means, that means a sleepy state. I see it on some of your faces already. It's warm, it's hot, and you're already thinking, when is, when is it going to be done so I can go to the Humdinger, the Grizzly Den, the, the Lighthouse, or Mazatlan, or just go to the river? And you don't recognize that God is speaking to you because you think that God can't speak through a guy named Doug Cotton with a scratchy voice. I'm just saying. And you're thinking God would choose somebody like, like DJ just a moment ago. See, when the word of God becomes common to us, we will have access to hear God's word, but it will not have an impact on your life. So the first thing I want us to understand with the question, how do I know uh, God's voice? Is culture can affect the way God speaks to you. In Eli's time, this was a culture of neglecting God's word, neglecting prayer, neglecting gathering together in worship and fellowship. It was where the value of who God was and what he said was negotiable. And because of that, there was an absence of that presence of God and his voice is rare. Uh, This is not on my notes, but I need to say this. We have come to a place in many Christian communities where we exalt family above God. Family is a gift from God, so teach your family to honor God by being faithful to the house of God. Okay, I didn't get much applause in the first service either, so no matter what. Thank, Thank you for that small little clap. All right, good. So what happens to a lot of Christians, instead of being in a relationship with God, we want him to be a resource who's more like Siri instead of a savior, okay? Now, we need to understand until we treasure the voice of God, until we value the voice of God, until we hearken the voice of God, until we make time to listen to the voice of God, consecrate ourselves to God, and not running from one person to the next, we will not recognize his voice when he's trying to talk to us, and you just might miss his revealed will for your life. The, the way I'm starting this sermon, you probably wouldn't want to come back next week, but I'm telling you next week will be good. Okay, okay. So uh, Samuel's receiving an audible revelation from God. Now, that never happened to me uh, at that age. He never said to me, I want you to become a pastor. Uh, I, I want you to preach my word. Uh, I never had that happen in an audible voice. But I remember standing at a school bus stop when I'm going into junior high, and I felt the Holy Spirit just tell me, right there as I stand there, I've got a call on your life, and I'm calling you into ministry with your life. And there were these desires inside of me to preach. So I just made my brothers and my sisters my my congregation, and I would preach to them. And I remember taking the offering or leading testimonies from the pulpit in my little church that I grew up in, and others would tell me, the hand of God is on you, but I didn't know what that meant. I had Sunday school teachers, and my mom and my dad and my, uh, my pastor and his wife, they would guide me, and had they not been there to guide me, I would have missed it. And they helped me to see something supernatural was involved in my life. And some folks were around my life who had been around long enough to see some things uh, that were special, and had they not been there, I would have missed it. Now, I knew the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I began to sense them, 
and the people that God put in my life, and they began to speak on God's behalf into my life. And just like I was called, every Christian, every one of you is called to do something with your life for God, okay? But what I want you to notice from this passage is that Samuel was the link between the judges of Israel and the kings of Israel a thousand years before Jesus. And none, it says in, if you read on the life of Samuel, it says, none of his words fell to the ground. Not one. And uh, I don't know about you, but what encourages me is that Samuel didn't get it right the first time. How many have ever not gotten it right the first time? All right? And I don't know why that encourages me, but it does because... I, I think there's someone that God uh, wants to talk to this morning that he's called you, he's chose you, and you've missed it a few times, but I want you to know God's telling you you still got a call on your life, all right? Aren't you glad that God, when, when Samuel heard God's voice, he didn't even know it was God's voice, but he had to learn it in spite of the culture he was in. Here's the second word you can write down, the word contacts. Often what happens when God is going to speak to your life, it will come through the context of relationships. In this case, it was Eli. And this word contact describes yours and my relationships. And if you're not selective about your contacts, you and I will start hearing things that God never intended for you and I to hear. You know, things like uh, you say to yourself, I went to a counselor, and uh, I've been to counselor actually a couple of times, and I would suggest that for every one of you. You think you're, you think you're sane, but you may not be. All right. Anyway, so I was saying to the counselor, I just feel stupid. I feel like I never get anything right. I feel like I screw up everything. And the counselor said to me, whose voice is that? And I thought she was trying to get me to say, uh, it's, it was my dad, or it was my coach, or it was uh, my former elders, or or, or my diaper was too tight when I was a kid, or, or it was from the tidy whities that I wore in my teenage years, you know, all those kind of stuff. But most of us who are not clinically insane, we process through thoughts, all right? And that is because why Samuel was confused, because he heard something, so he went to where he knew to go, and I want to point out something about this. He did the right thing, he ran because it didn't sound strange to him, but sounded like what he was used to. So he ran because that's what he did when he heard Eli's voice. Now, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me this. That is what a lot of us do. We have the right passion, and we run, but we run to the wrong person, okay? Some of us have the right passion, but we run, run to that wrong person, that wrong place, that wrong substance, And not only is this true in the case of Samuel, it's true in the case of many people in the Bible. Moses is another one. Moses was hearing the voice of God calling him. God begins to stir him up, and he wants wants Moses to deliver the Israelites from the Egyptians. And what happens is Moses has the right passion, but where he messed up is when he killed the Egyptian. It was the right passion, but it was misplaced. He tried to do it his way, and he didn't get it right the first time. And some of the things that you and I have gotten wrong in our lives and some of the mistakes you and I have made is because we tried to do it 
our way, but I want you to know something. God was, is stirring us up, but he ran to Eli. So God's stirring you up. He's telling you to come back. So we ran to the things that God was trying to remove out of our lives, but we were used to it, all right? So we ran to the thing we were familiar with. Now, I want you to hear this. God gave you a gift, but you used that gift for yourself for a little while. But then you and I found out, unless I offer it back God, it's going to come back empty. But God brought you here today to let you know this. That was my voice calling you. That was me that gave you that talent. That was me that made you good at that. That was me that opened that door for you. That was me that gave you that responsibility. That was me that opened their eyes to notice you and appoint you. It was God's voice in your life the whole time. But you had to learn and discern the voice of God over the familiar. When I was engaged to Lois, she doesn't know this, but I had all sorts, sorts of voices come at me. Uh, but I knew the Lord had literally spoken to me about her and that he had chosen her for my life. But I had familiar voices that said something like this. She's a Methodist and you're a Pentecostal. You really think that's going to work well in your marriage? Well, I found out it was tough, but it worked, all right? Uh, my dad said, she comes from a wealthy family and you're not. How do you think that's going to work out? And I thought, well, if she's wealthy, this is going to work out really, really good. So I married her, and I found out she didn't have any money at all. So there you go. We had to learn to trust God together. I had voices coming at me that said, she's too good looking for you. And I thought, hmm, maybe they're right. Maybe she did something in her past, and I'm her punishment. But I realized that wasn't true. I was, my physique was her reward. <laughs> That's just, okay. Yeah. Some of you are like, yeah, no. <laughs> Listen, we need to learn to recognize God's voice and run to him. He has a plan and a purpose for our lives, but you need to learn to know his voice over all the other voices that are coming in your life. So surround yourself with godly contacts that will help you uh, get into God's purpose for your life. So you and I need to know God's purpose and you, need, you and I need to know his vision and you and I need God's words to guide us into our destiny and purpose. So thank God for old folks in your life. There's an old, folks, old folk like Eli. He isn't perfect, but God will send back him back to that voice to get uh, to the right place. Remember growing up, uh, now remember God came to Samuel three times. And uh, do you remember growing up and your mom said something like this? How many times do I have to tell you that? Do you remember that? Yeah, yesterday I was with Lois and she was telling me something and apparently I wasn't listening. And so, which is really hard for me to believe that that was the case. But I said to Lois, I said to Lois, "Um, have you said this to me before? She goes, Yes, I've said this to you probably three times at least. How many times do I have to tell you? And I said, as many times as it takes. Aren't you glad God will come back to you as many times as it takes? And my wife will come back to me usually as many times as it takes. All right, verse eight, it says, a third time the Lord called Samuel. And then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy. Aren't you glad God has call waiting? Come on. 
Aren't you glad God will, God will call you again and again? Just ask Jonah. Jonah wasn't even a talented preacher. He didn't have funny stories. He didn't have charisma. He was a crusty old preacher that yelled repentance at people he didn't even like. And God used Jonah anyway. And when God calls you and you don't answer, he keeps calling you back because God wants you to be in the right place at the right time. He, he put the DNA in you. He put the passion in you. Now, it is his voice that keeps trying to get your attention. Now, one of the things that stuck out to me in this passage, it says that Samuel ran, which is what we should do. But then it says, after Eli told him, go back and lie down and tell him your servant is listening. It says he went back and he laid down in his place. And I want you to know that if you want to hear God's voice, you need to be in your place. So many people want to be in someone else's place. They want to be the preacher. They want to be the teacher. They want to be the one up front. You need to be in your place. If God's delivering mail and you're not there, you're going to miss it. You need to be in the right place at the right time. And as you do that, God's uh, confirmation will come over your life. Now, as we learn God's voice, we need to overcome with culture, uh, contacts, conflict of calling is another one, whether it's this, you hear this voice in your heart, but there's a conflict between is it God or was it the pizza I ate last night or whatever it might be, and so you need confirmation. And just let me say, as we talk about conflict and confirmation, oftentimes God will use repetition to get our attention. Now, I also want you to know, here's a warning when I say this. Repetition is also the way the devil communicates. And some people can think it's God when it's not. For instance, I've had people tell me this. Well, it must be God because this married man keeps coming into my life and I see him all the time. I just want you to know that's not God, that's the devil. Stay away from the married man. Stay away from the married woman. All right. I don't know why I got into that, but I did. Okay. <laughs> repetition. Rep- repetition. God will, will use repetition. I, you'll start seeing a word here, uh, hear it in a song, hear it in a movie, see it on the back of a bumper of a car, and then you'll be saying, that must be God. And then you have to do what Eli did, and you'll begin to discern what the voice of God is. And so you begin to discern, maybe this is God in my life. All right? So you say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Now, I also want you to hear this. Some people think God's playing hide and seek. He's not. He wants you to find him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to hear his voice. He's not hiding over there behind the drum cage, calling your name, going, (laughs) I wish, I hope they can find me. No, he's not doing that. He's not a hide and seek God. He's for you. He's with you. And he wants to see you uh, come into relationship with him. Now, if you don't hear God's voice, his promptings, uh, all those kind of things, and I'm talking audibly, impression-wise, hear his word speak to you, it's possible that you might not know the Lord yet. Or if you do, you've been so distracted by culture and contacts and all these other things and conflict in your own spirit that you uh, are missing what God's trying to talk to you. So one of my friends, he can text a lot, and sometimes I get a text uh, a lot from him. And this friend noticed, uh, he said to me, I noticed that 
all of our conversations is gray, and he's talking about on our phone. And that, that, that is his part of texting towards me. It's all gray. And I hadn't responded much because when you text back, your text is in blue on the iPhone, so you know what you said. Sometimes I wonder if God feels that way, that God's been texting us and he's saying, it's all gray and I've got no blue here. And he's prompting you and me and provoking us. So as I speak to you, I want you to speak back or listen to what I'm saying and then I'll know what you do. So he went and he laid down in his place. Okay, here's a third thing you can write down and then we'll be done about how the ability to hear God's voice grows in our lives. It's matured. It's matured. So God speaks, but his listening matured as God's word came to Samuel. God used it to come to him and then flow from him to others. So God's word came to Samuel to transition him from being an apprentice. Samuel was the guy who went around and lit all the lamps in the church. That's what he did. And as he did that, God came to him and he was, present, he was preparing him and transitioning him from an apprentice in the house of the Lord to a priest. So he goes from apprentice to priest to prophet. And by the time you get to 1 Samuel 4, you can read this on your own, but verse 1 says this, Samuel's words or word came to all Israel. In other words, Samuel said, here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. And we, we've now gone from the word of the Lord was rare to the word of the Lord. When it came to Samuel, it came to all Israel. And every time Samuel opened his mouth, they were hearing the word of the Lord. I want to get you guys to the place that you get so close to God that when you start talking to other people, God is beginning to speak through you to others. And people say, I don't know what you just said, but I just know God just talked to me. And, I, and I, God's drawing me. And I want us to be a people who will go after God with every thing we have. All right, let's stand up. Let's just take a moment with every head bowed, every eye closed. You're not here by accident today. Some of you think you came here because someone dragged you here or whatever it might be. But it was the Holy Spirit bringing you here. It wasn't mom and dad that made you come. It's God. He's talking to you just like he was to Samuel. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants to, to know you and he wants you to know him. He wants to begin to communicate back and forth in your life with you and you with him. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you. And I'm talking to people who've been serving God for years, but maybe you're like that pastor friend I talked to this week who just said, you know what? I just can't forgive myself. I, I feel like God's not with me. I want you to know the lamp of God has not gone out in your life. But it's time to come back and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And God wants that in your life. So this morning, if you're either one of those folks, I want you to raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. I need the lamp of God to be relit in my life. Anyone like that, raise them high. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. All right. That's a good, good thing. All right. 
All right, let's all pray this prayer together. You're not alone. When you pray this, you're coming into the family of God, and we're all here to help you grow. Say this with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, and all my failures. Come into my life and be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my King. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Okay. If I can have prayer people come on up here. We're going to sing a song. If you gave your life to Christ, come up and tell somebody. The Bible says, if you're not ashamed of me before men, I want to be ashamed of you before my Father. So just tell somebody, I gave my life to Jesus. If you need prayer for anything, your marriage, your finances, your kids, uh, healing physically, whatever it might be, come and get prayer. So we take a few moments to worship.